On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Matt B. He is hot off the success of his latest single, Give Me Love, which also features Eddie Kenzo. He is from Chicago. I want to talk about the scene there and especially about whether or not, are you ready for this, whether or not R&B is dead. So welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, what's going on, Kelly? Hey, I had to bring up the R&B because I saw on your merch you you have these uh, T-shirts R&B is not dead, you know, with crossing out that it is. And I love the fact that you're still carrying the torch of R&B because, you know, it's a genre I love, especially the R&B of the 70s and 80s. And I just want to know, you know, what, what's your undying love for this great genre? Well, for me, I feel like R&B has been the staple of the music industry for quite a long time, um, especially um, if you really think back to just the origins of R&B coming from the church, particularly the black church here in America, um, and taking that soul and taking that energy from praise and worship and bringing it into a more, I guess, people would define that as a secular type of music. But uh, even so, R&B has been able to create somewhat of a foothold in the music industry because if you listen to a lot of the melody lines and things like that, you know, it's rooted um, in that genre of music, and that spans across a lot of different genres. I won't go into every single one, but there always is an essence of that genre uh, being R&B in all or most genres of music, especially here in America. So, I feel like R&B isn't dead. I feel like R&B has um, sort of spread its wings, so to speak, um, but that um, at the core of the music industry or just um, in general, we, we, we can see it even today. So I'm still holding that um, that torch, so to speak, and, and I, I'm continuing to trailblaze uh, R&B. <laughs> Very good. Well, I talked to a lot of people who they really want to hear, you know, good vocalists with, you know, a very soulful, almost like a traditional R&B delivery. And it seems like we've had some dry patches where there hasn't been as much of that, where I think we took for granted, you know, like in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. We got so much of that. Do you see a lot of that returning now? Is that part of your mission that you want to bring some of that back? Yeah, I actually do. And it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I did an EP with a very um, well-known R&B producer. His name is Brian Michael Cox. And we did that EP back in, I want to say I recorded it in maybe like 2016-ish. And that was prior to, I guess, like um, R&B being more at the forefront of the industry. But I feel like now, especially in 2022, there are so many different artists who are kind of holding that torch now, so to speak, and and, and helping to bring R&B soul in particular back um, which is, I think is very positive. Um, we see the wave, we see the movement, we can see it in festivals now, we can see it in some of the other smaller venues across the United States and even the world. Um, so R&B is definitely, I don't want to say making a comeback, but um, it's more, it, it has a lot more notoriety than it has had in the past, um, let's say, five mm-hmm. or ten years. Right, because classic R&B never really leaves. It's kind of interesting, you know. You're you're on the charts, and when you look at the um, you know the charts of older music, it's pretty amazing when you see you know these classics from 45 years ago, oh, yeah. getting more hits than some of the contemporary stuff. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I think that especially in the Spotify uh, streaming era, that um, that you know these catalogs are worth so much now because what we're starting to see in and you know I don't want to get too analytical, but what we're starting to see in just people's behavioral patterns with streaming is that they're more likely to go in and listen to a lot of the catalog music um, and not so much the newer music, not saying the newer music doesn't get any streams, but um, it was a very interesting article that um, that was released, I think, back in either 2020 or 2021 during the height of the pandemic, and that most people were listening to catalog music, particularly R&B. So I think that that's very positive, especially for me and, and the genre that I do, um, and it just uh, makes me realize even more so now than ever that uh, this genre is needed in the music industry and that people truly do want um, to listen to this music, and i be the one to provide it. Well, you're getting a lot of attention with your latest single, Give Me Love, and this is a, a collaboration with Eddie Kenzo, who's from Uganda. He's been riding high in a really big hit uh, this past year. And I'm so curious, in the video, did you actually go to Uganda to shoot this? Mm. <laughs> a lot of people have asked me that question, and I'm kind of telling on myself right now, but no, I did not go to Uganda, but it just goes to show um, how well that video was filmed. We were in Topanga, California, which is just, ah. I think, um, north of LA, um, closer to, uh, to um, I believe, uh, Malibu, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around that area. So, But it was a beautiful, okay. beautiful location. Um, and, you know, it was, I really enjoyed filming that video. Well, I'm always impressed how people form collaborations. And I'm curious, you know, what brought you together with Eddie, especially, you know, he's at such a peak right now. Oh, so uh, super, super random. So I met Eddie um, at an event or at a party here in Los Angeles. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I guess you could call it fate, but I ended up sitting right next to him at the event. And we kind of hit it off, and um, we were talking to one another and realized that we shared um, a lot of things in common. And then from there, we were like, hey, you want to know what? Like, let's try and link up at the studio. Let's try and see if we can just kind of just – hang out and maybe play a couple of records for each other and all that. And then from there, like, it evolved into, like, we were waiting for the sound engineer because we weren't able to get into the actual studio. And while we were there, he was like, oh, let me see some of your music videos. I played a couple for him. I checked out some of his. And then he was like, hey, I want to play this record for you. I have some beats that my engineer sent me. The first one he played, I kid you not, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I love, love, love that instrumental. We got to do something to it. So he was like, okay, cool. Sound engineer shows up, and then it was almost like the record just wrote itself. Like the melodies just really just flowed out, and um, I think, like, the vibe that we had was very relaxed, and um, we didn't really take the time to, like, write anything physically. It was really all just off the top of our head, and it just it really was a very special moment. Well, what's the reaction to the video been like so far? Oh, it's been amazing, absolutely amazing, overwhelmingly amazing. Um, with the video doing so well um, across all um, 
across all streaming platforms and, and uh, with YouTube it's already cracked um, over a quarter million views with um, Facebook it's already cracked over a million views um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of comments of people saying I love the video um, I love the wardrobe I love the song um, I love the fact that they that you are honoring um, um, uh, Ugandan and just African culture and the dancing and I think it was just very very well put together and it was it was definitely um, very strategic um, um, and very well thought out. It wasn't something that we just kind of threw together. We wanted to hit those marks and I'm just so happy that people are realizing and seeing that we hit those marks and that they are showing a, a great appreciation for it. And, um, you know, that, I think that's for all recording artists. Like, we want people to appreciate our art. We want people to be able to, for our art to translate in some way, shape, or form. So very happy, very overwhelmed. Well, it seems like the timing was so good on this because, you know, we're in spring now, but the next couple of months, it just seems like, you know, the ultimate feel-good summer song. <laughs> I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, I, I think that that definitely was perfect timing for us to release it, just, just shy of spring. Um, and I'm really excited about some of the shows and festivals and things like that that we will be able to participate in, and not only here in the United States, but worldwide. Um, I feel like this record just feels so good. Um, that it is some, it's, it's really a global record. It's something that I think everyone can relate to. It doesn't matter if you speak English. It doesn't matter, matter if you speak any other language. Um, just the melodies and, and the way that the records feel um, uh, is it, it, something just very special. And, and I can't wait to perform it with Eddie. I wish that uh, he was here on this call right now, but <laughs> he is in Uganda. So um, I'm not sure what that time frame is right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was checking out your TikTok channel, and, and tell me if I got this right, but did you uh, recently perform at South by Southwest? Yes, I did, and I performed um, at the Wiz Dome, which was absolutely amazing. And I had never done anything like that before. Um, it was basically they took these projectors, and they projected anything that you wanted on, a, like, a whole, like, visual experience, 360 degrees, um, and it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy from the lighting to being able to play my music videos in the dome to the way that the crowd reacted. It was, it was something very special. And that was my first time um, performing at South by Southwest. And it also was my first time going to Austin. So um, it was just, uh, uh, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still such a big festival. Does it still seem like a rite of passage to you? Yeah, I, I truly do believe that it was a rite of passage. I think that there are, like, these staple um, moments that happen in an artist's career, especially here in the U.S., where once you do experience it, you know that you're on the right track and you know that you're that much closer to um, to achieving whatever it is that, that you're setting out to achieve. So for me, definitely it was a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Another thing I like about TikTok, and, and I think this is a, a bigger part of what you do, you know, besides just creating music, you, you know, both singing and songwriting, you know, you're really immersed in the business of it. 
And I really like hearing some of your advice. Like TikTok, you have these, you know, little bite-sized pieces of advice for musicians. Like uh, I heard you talk about, you know, crabs in a barrel mentality, you know, talking about how <laughs> instead of competing with everyone, you know, how to support other musicians. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's very important, especially um, being born and raised in Chicago, um, and just seeing the way that the music industry operates um, in Chicago, it's like very much so we sometimes, uh, more so than, than I would like, to get the crabs in the barrel mentality. And I feel like if we would really take the time to lift one another up as musicians and work hand-in-hand hand with one another, we would find ourselves further along. Like even speaking from my own personal experiences, like I was like, hated probably wouldn't even be the right description of how much people didn't like me <laughs> as a musician. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, you know, like, I really had to grow as a musician. I had to build it out. And, you know, there was a point in time when I couldn't even get an instrumental to sing on. I wouldn't, no one wanted to even co-write with me, write with me. Um, I was like, uh, it was like I, it was, I, it was like I had the plague so people didn't even want to touch me with a 10-foot pole. So it just goes to show, like, I came a really, really long way as a musician from being someone that people more so scoffed at or turned their noses up to to being someone that people, like, really want to see perform or really want to be a part of my movement or um, what, however you would want to phrase it. So I really feel like my journey would have been, I don't want to say easier, but it definitely, um, I think, not having that crabs in a barrel mentality, if my peers wouldn't have had that mentality, I think that things would have moved a lot smoother. Well, what's that saying? You know, it's easier to become famous outside your hometown. And it seems like, you know, if, if Chicago wasn't embracing you immediately, it seems like you then said, okay, let me go bigger. Let me go international. And you've actually had mm -hmm. success, you know, in Japan and other parts of the world. And now you're, you know, collaborating with someone really big in Uganda. So do you think that's part of the answer is if people are, you know, so frustrated in their own hometown, you know, maybe go bigger and look beyond that? Yeah, for sure, because the music industry is bigger than your hometown. The music industry is bigger than the United States. Um, so I feel like you definitely have to think outside of the box. Um, um, and that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what my team did. And it just goes to show, like, how far you can go when you do think outside the box. Because I remember um, recording my first album by myself um, in my girlfriend's um, apartment at the time, um, who is now my manager and my wife. So it just goes to show how, how, how far I've come. Um, and, and, uh, and I was in a coat closet. And I was sitting there, I was singing so loudly that people were taking, literally taking a broom and banging on the ceiling trying to get me to stop. And <laughs> oh, no. And now, <laughs> yeah, and, and now here I am. And, and that album, by the way, that I was recording in that coat closet was, my, was the album that Japan, the Japanese label, ended up picking up. And it ended up going um, a number one on iTunes for my genre being R&B, distributed in over 1,500 stores um, in Japan because they still do physical distribution, um, sold over 50,000 um, copies of that, of that particular album and growing. 
Um, and then my follow-up album did um, even better than my first album out there. So it just goes to show, like, you know, don't let people deter you. Don't let people stop you. Um, humble beginnings, there's nothing wrong with that because I went from recording on a $100 microphone to now being able to record on twenty, thirty thousand dollar microphones if I want to or or you know, I I have a currently have a four or five thousand dollar microphone here in my house, um, that I just do scratch vocals on. So it's like don't give up. Don't let people deter you because the your future will be bright if you just believe in yourself. So what's the difference between a good microphone and a really, really good microphone? <laughs> Now, the funny part about it is that's so debatable because some people will say, um, get the microphone that best suits your voice. So you could record on a $100 microphone or you could record on a $50,000 microphone, but in the grand scheme of things, you may sound better on the $100 microphone as an artist than you do on the $50,000 microphone um, just because it just suits your voice better. So, But then for me personally, what I've learned as an artist is, you know, you have to really it's like an instrument, right? A microphone is like an instrument. You have to learn how to use it. And if you can learn how to use a microphone properly, you can really sing on any mic that you want. What I personally, I prefer the U87, uh, the Newman. I really like that on my voice, although I have used the Sony, um, some of the higher-end Sony microphones, C1 and all those other different mics. Um, um, I think that the U87 is more of a warmer microphone, so I really like the way that it sounds on my vocals. But it's all up to the to, to the recording artist. So <laughs> we could go all day with with, with tech and fear and things. <laughs> right. And hey, and and wouldn't the worst be you're on the hundred thousand dollar mic and you're still picking up like hum and buzz and feedback? Oh, my God. And, you know, I think that has to do with some of the audio gear or your XLR cables and things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like technology and just um, the way that they are starting to make these audio plugins and things like that, you can really get a lot of that out. And a lot of artists, surprisingly, you don't really catch them in a lot of these bigger studios anymore. Um, a lot of them will do their recordings either at home or they'll do them on the road in their tour bus or they'll do it at the hotel room. And they give these sound engineers some of the crappiest recorded vocals that you'll ever experience with some of the most noise ever. You hear people talking in the background and all the rest of that stuff. And these engineers, if they're really good, they get it out. And some people have won Grammys off of <laughs> off of uh, wow. um, sound recordings that, are, that aren't that desirable. Well, a good engineer is worth everything. I agree. I agree. Yep. Well, you're talking about, you know, you, you have this great team behind you. And that was really obvious in the series I've been watching you have on your YouTube channel. It's called Beyond the Music. And yeah. uh, you do it with Angela Benson. And I, I was yeah. kind of reading on it. Is she your manager? Yes. Yeah. Yes, she's my manager, but then she's also my wife. So, it, it, it oh well, that's perfectly. why you have <laughs> you guys have such good rapport with each other. That's great because you you have such a, a very positive you know output, but you also have a lot of really good practical advice on the show. So I'm just wondering how did that come about, and you know what's the response from other musicians? 
Um, and honestly, let me start by saying that we really do have to start filming some more episodes. We haven't had the opportunity to do so quite um, um, as of late. Um, but it came about during the pandemic. I mean, you know, a lot of people have asked me and her for advice around the music and um, how we kind of manage our day-to-days, especially with us being a couple, and then how do we balance that with business and things like that. So we thought it was high time that we started kind of revealing more of that, and um, that's kind of how that series was born. Um, And just so that people really can understand the scope of just the production side of things, we are producing that um, on our own. It's just the two of us. We record that series, believe it or not, using iPhones. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow, it looks really good. Yeah, for sure. The lighting is spectacular. Um, That's probably one of the reasons why it it turns out so well. Um, We have um, really good audio gear, so I think that that helps out as well. But in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, the editing, the the audio editing, the video editing, all the rest of that stuff is in-house. We have a very small team. Other than her and myself, we have maybe like two more people. So, But we get it done. And at the end of the day, I feel like the information that we provide in that series is invaluable and that um, it has helped quite a few people, and, and, and we're happy about that. Well, the episode that really caught my attention is one where you talk about being a multifaceted artist. And I'm curious mm-hmm. to get your opinion on this. You know, I think a lot of artists, they love the opportunity that technology gives them, but they also feel really overwhelmed because you have to wear so many hats. You know, you're not just writing music and recording, but you're your own record label, and you're booking your own gigs, and you're, you know, producing video shoots. I mean, as, as skillful as you get at all those different things, what's the danger of burning out? I think burnout is a very, very, very real um, situation to be in, and and it happens to us all. And it's just about pacing yourself. And and even if you are a multifaceted artist, I think that knowing when to give that hat to someone else and knowing when to share um, in the creation of whatever it is that you're doing is very important. Because at the end of the day, I I think that. I think that is important to understand all facets of the music industry, whether it be from the videography or the recording process or the writing process and all the rest of that stuff. It's very important to understand that and have a general scope of how to do it. So that way, when it comes time to pass that hat to someone else, you can do it in in a very efficient way. And if you do have to, pick up the slack, you're able to, because you're not passing that hat over to someone because you have to. You're passing that hat over to someone because you value your time and you, you, um, and you would better, it's better spent elsewhere. And I can also give an example of that. We're preparing for a video shoot actually tomorrow. So (laughs) um, it's going to be, yes, it's going to be in the, um, on the Imperial Sand Dunes, which I'm super excited about because I'm a big Star Wars fan. And that's where they filmed the first Star Wars movie, right off of, uh, right next to the border of uh, Mexico. So I'm super excited about that. I'm going to be riding a camel. Um, I'm going to be dressed um, in um, Arab or Arabian garb. Um, it's, go- it's going to be a really, really cool shoot. Really cool shoot. 
But for me, being a multifaceted artist, I understand what it takes to create something like that versus me sitting back and crossing my fingers and hoping to God that the shoot comes together. I am working hand in hand with my videographer. I am on the ground making these phone calls. I was the one who booked the camel, and I'm the one who's making sure that it actually makes it to the shoot. I was the one who who selected the wardrobe, and I'm making sure that it's actually something that I want to wear or something that I want the model to be seen in. I'm the one who who came up with the video concept, things like that. Now, I wouldn't be able to do any of that <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if I didn't understand what it took to make it happen. Like, do you get what I'm saying? So it's like that is the importance of being a multifaceted artist is it gives you the flexibility to be able to poke your head in or, 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 or hand it off to someone else. But when push comes to shove and I guess the shit hits the fan for lack of a better term, you aren't stuck with your pants down. You're, you're able to actually make it happen. I'm just trying to imagine what are the logistics of getting a live camel in a video shoot? Oh, my God. It is uh, not easy to say the least. Multiple phone calls. Um, I had maybe like about five or six different companies um, on standby. I finally picked one. Um, She will be coming uh, (laughs) tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. Um, We do have little ones, so we have a a trailer, a a three-bed trailer that we're going to be attaching to our vehicle and driving out down to those sand dunes. Um, uh, It's going to be an experience. To, to say the least, I, I and I'm going to be blogging about this. I've, something that I haven't done before for my music video shoot. So uh, I think that my fans are going to be really excited just to see more of the logistical um, process in order to pull something like this off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it also makes me think that's probably something not as easy to get in Chicago. Like when you're at least in Southern California near the, the film industry, you suddenly have a lot more access to a lot of things for music videos. Oh, 100%. It's, it's a lot more convenient to film a music video in the capital of, of where videos and these types of productions are done versus a place like Chicago where um, it, it would be a lot more difficult and probably a lot more expensive to pull off. So that's one of the reasons why we do live here in, um, in Los Angeles now. It just makes it a lot easier for us. Well, does it seem like, especially since Give Me Love and now this, that you have to raise the bar a little bit higher with each new video? Mm -hmm. Uh, To an extent, yes. But, you know, at the end of the day, the only person that I'm in competition with is myself. And I feel like as long as I'm satisfied with the outcome of whether it be the music videos or the records or whatever may have you, that – um, that's what's really important, and whether it's just me sitting on a bed and doing a music video that way or riding a camel. At the end of the day, it's more so about expressing the art um, and doing it in the best medium that we could potentially do it in. So um, this particular record, I feel, and, the, and my team also felt that it called for a bigger production. But there may be those records that don't really call for that. Maybe it's something as simple as sitting at a, at a coffee shop or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I feel like through the creative process, it's about allowing the music and the art to guide you and allowing it to speak for mm-hmm. itself because 
art because we are a conduit at recording artists or creatives in general. You have to let the art speak through you. The art in and of itself exists without you, and it goes through you as a medium to the public. And I think that if you take that as your foundation, then it, it makes it a lot easier, and it, it and it takes that pressure mm-hmm. away of raising the bar. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going to wrap up in a little bit, but before we do, I want to make sure people know where to find you, your music, you know, give me love. So where are the best places to go online to find you? Well, you can go across all social media platforms at Matt B. World, that's M-A-T-T-B World, or you can go to my website, www.mattbworld.com, and step into my world, because once you do, you do not want to leave. I can almost guarantee you that. Excellent. Yeah, you got so much cool stuff, and I, I, especially if you're a musician, you know, go to your YouTube channel, check out Beyond the Music, as well as the music videos, and... Here's one thing I liked about your TikTok channel. You do this really cool thing where there's, like, multiple maps. I don't know how you do it, if you green screen it, but you really perform well <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely a green screen, something that we were just experimenting with over the pandemic, something that was really fun to do, um, sort of the acapella videos, and I'm happy that you enjoyed that. Very entertaining, right? <laughs> That was cool, yeah, you know, and me, which I feel ancient when I go to YouTube, it's always nice to find something I can connect with, you know? For sure. (laughs) Well, here's what I want to round out things with. I I still love that you are embracing R&B, and I'm just really curious, who are your favorite classic R&B singers, and, you know, who really inspires you? Hmm. So if we're going classic R&B singers, I'm always thinking of either the 90s or further back than that, right? Um, if, mm-hmm. we're thinking, if we're thinking groups, because I initially came from a, a, a boy band, right, with my brothers, um, I'm going to go boys to men for sure. And I think that um, you could probably hear some of the inspiration of the, my harmonies and things like that. Um, so definitely mm-hmm. boys to men. Um, I would also think New Edition because they are absolutely amazing. That's probably one of the best boy band groups that I know of if we're thinking um, R&B. If we're traveling a little further back, um, then I would go to The Temptations. I think that they probably are one of the many groups that set the foundation for for what music is today, especially R&B. Um, we can also go, if we're thinking solo male artists, we can go Stevie Wonder. He is absolutely spectacular, and I don't really think that I even need to elaborate on that. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you're you're picking the classics. Uh, you know, when you uh, said the first couple uh, and in your early performing, it made me think of All for One. Are you an All for One fan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very familiar with that. Yeah, for sure. So um, do you think – well, I'm curious with your brother. So what was that called? Did you have, like, a special name for that group? So um, with me and my brothers, there were three of us. So we called ourselves Trend, and we spelled it T-R-I-E-N-D. And it was for a specific reason because there were three of us, so, like, Trinity, right? Trend, try in, Trend. Oh. And then also Trend okay. because we were setting – 
and also trend because we were kind of saying that we are the new wave, so to speak. So uh, we, we did pretty well for ourselves, but um, in, in the grand scheme of things, I ended up going solo once all was said and done. And uh, we had a lot of different musical inspirations. And if we're going back to the solo artists, um, um, I would also obviously throw Michael Jackson in there. Prince I would throw in there as well. Um, and Marvin Gaye is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I like that. So it's like try and but trend at the same time, like friend with a T at the beginning. Uh, I, I Actually, I never even thought of that. That's true. <laughs> There's so many ways you can spin that, right? Well, see, I think a little bit of, of that group lives on in your TikTok videos. <laughs> it definitely does. I replaced my other two siblings with myself. I don't know if that's vain or not, but hey. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, we could talk for hours. Um, I think this is just the beginning of 2022 for you. Uh, you know, Give Me Love is off to such a strong start. You know, are you planning on releasing any more music this year? Yeah, I actually um, I have another Afrobeat artist um, that I did a record with. He's, he's from West Africa opposed to um, – to Eddie Kenzo, who is from East Africa. So I'm really excited to release that. It's going to be coming soon. Um, I also have uh, an R&B project that I'm going to be releasing probably towards closer to summer. Um, we're working on videos for that as we speak, one of which I mentioned to you. So, um, yeah, always new music down the pipeline, um, always staying creative, always trying to just push forward um, inch by inch, step by step, and uh, we're really excited about what's to come, and for all of my fans or anyone else who's listening, um, definitely tap in. Well, his name is Matt B. The current single is Give Me Love featuring Eddie Kenzo. Really encourage everyone to check out all his media, and you know what? I'm, I'm just going to decide right here and now, Give Me Love is the feel-good song of the summer of 2022. Hey, I'll take that. I love it. Thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk soon. Yeah, you bet. Stay in touch. I really want to stay in the loop on your new releases. 